Hello, this is Sarah M welcoming you to the 2343rd edition of the Enfield Talking Newspaper, dateline the 18th of May 2023. The readers this week are Sarah A, Sarah M, Joel and Mary with Hass on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, the Enfield Dispatch and Age UK and are their copyright. For the week beginning 15th of May, the sunrise time is 10 past 5 a.m. and the sunset time is 45 past 8 p.m. We also have some special notices from Enfield Vision and Enfield Home Library Service. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there is no charge. The home library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content. So, we can help you get to grips with borrowing ebooks or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a phone or tablet. For more information or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hl s at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk or you can call Shauna Tivan on 07826511094. Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with a specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the the third Thursday in each month, from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bush Hill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. Here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday the 15th of June 2023. Thursday the 20th of July 2023. Thursday the 17th of August 2023. Thursday the 21st of September 2023. Thursday the 19th of October 2023. And lastly, Thursday the 16th of November 2023. For further information, please contact us on the telephone number 0208-373-6260. Their email is information at enfieldvision.org.uk. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 078-99-854-582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Sarah A will read the lead story. Mayor Reveals Charities The new mayor will support cancer and autism charities. Enfield's new mayor has been sworn into office and has chosen to support cancer and autism charities over the next 12 months. Councillor Suna Herman is the new mayor of Enfield with fellow councillor Mohamed Amarul Islam as her deputy. 
The pair were sworn in at the full council meeting on Wednesday, May the 10th. The mayor of Enfield, which is primarily a ceremonial role, traditionally picks a charity or selection of charities to support during their term. Councillor Suna Herman said, I am delighted to have been sworn in, in the borough's mayor, as the borough's mayor for the forthcoming year, and I look forward to meeting as many residents and local business owners as possible during my tenure. I have chosen to support cancer and autism charities, as they are both causes that are close to my heart. I hope to raise as much as I can to help improve the lives of those affected by cancer and autism. Throughout the year, the mayor and deputy mayor will attend more than 500 engagements. Young people have also elected Darren Paul, aged 15, as the new young mayor, and Sila Karanapina, 12, as the deputy young mayor, to help the council achieve its ambitions to work more closely with young people and help deliver a lifetime of opportunities in the borough. Darren and Sela will represent the interests of Enfield's young people to the mayor and councillors, residents and public services. The young mayor and deputy were drawn from the Enfield Youth Parliament. The duo the have been elected for one year to represent the views of young people and encourage them to create opportunities around issues that matter to them and to their communities. Councillor Nessil Kaliskan and Councillor Ergin Erbil will continue in their position as the leader and deputy leader of the council, respectively. Fly tipping is being tackled successfully. More people than ever are being prosecuted, by Simon Allen. A fly tipping crackdown means that more people than ever are being prosecuted for illegal dumping in Enfield. Rick Jewell, councillor responsible for environment, claims the actions being taken by Enfield Council are making an improvement, adding that the authority still plans to provide an extra 200 enforcement cameras despite problems that saw several recently sent back to suppliers. Reports of illegal dumping in Enfield Borough rose sevenfold during the four years to 2020-21 to when 8,719 fly-tipping reports were made and the council spent £1.25 million on dealing with the problem. According to a presentation made to a meeting of the Council's Overview and Scrutiny Committee, the authority handed out more than 9,000 fly-tipping and littering fines and made 1,550 prosecutions during 2022-23. Under questioning from councillors, Mr Jewell revealed that the Council issues between 35 and 40 fixed penalty notices, FPNs, every month for spitting, which shows our commitment to tackling people that treat our streets as badly as they do. He added, The actions that we are taking are really making an improvement. People do say it is making an improvement. Some of the reported fly tips by the public are the lowest they have ever been. We are prosecuting more people than we have ever prosecuted. The update sent out a range of schemes rolled out by the council to help tackle fly tipping. These include free bulky waste collections launched in September 2021, bigger refuse collection vehicles and a dedicated enforcement team trolling streets. In February last year, the council deployed new mobile CCTV cameras to catch fly tippers and pledged to name and shame offenders. But the Labour group pledged to provide an extra 200 cameras in their local election manifesto and the Conservative opposition group recently revealed there were only 10 cameras for the whole borough last month. Council leader is re-elected. Nessel Kaliskan is set to lead Enfield Council for a sixth year after being re-elected by members of the borough's ruling Labour group. Councillor Kaliskan said her administration would continue investing in Enfield after winning the support of her Labour colleagues during the group's recent annual general meeting. Ergin Erbil remains deputy leader while all of the current cabinet members were also re-elected and will have their positions confirmed at next month's council AGM. After becoming leader... After the 2018 local election, Councillor Kaliskan led the Labour group to a fourth straight victory at last year's election, despite the party losing eight seats to the opposition Conservatives. 
A by-election held in Bullsmore Ward last week also saw Labour's candidate triumph with an increased vote share. Councillor Kaliskan said, I am delighted that the Labour group has once again endorsed my leadership. Together, Cabinet will deliver Enfield Labour's ambitious agenda to make our borough cleaner, greener and safer. Housing sales criticised. Council puts three properties worth nearly £2 million up for auction by Simon Allen. Enfield Council has come under fire for selling off desperately needed family homes as the borough faces a chronic housing shortage. Three properties were recently put up for auction by the council with a total value of nearly £2 million after being classed as surplus or underperforming assets. A two-bedroom semi-detached property in the Ridgeway, Botany Bay, sold for £550,000, while a four-bedroom detached house in Cecil Road, Enfield Town, went for £750,000. A three-bed semi in Church Hill, Winchmore Hill, was initially on the market for £600,000, but was later withdrawn. Council bosses decided earlier this year to market the homes in a bid to cut borrowing and support the authorities' capital programme. The council has built up debts of more than £1 billion, partly to fund new housing schemes such as Meridian Water in Edmonton. But local housing campaigner Matt Byrne attacked the sell-off, which comes as the council is now spending around £500,000 a month on hotel accommodation, for homeless families and a chronic housing shortage exasperated by the collapse of the borough's private rental centre. Matt, from campaign group Better Homes Enfield, said, The council needs to sell assets to manage the huge debts it has run up to fund Meridian Water. The upshot of this approach is that council-owned family homes such as these, which would be ideal for homeless families and which are desperately needed, are being sold off. The council justifies this by letting them fall into disrepair. The result is that homeless families will now be left living in cramped hotels on the A10 for far longer. The Conservative opposition group previously tried to block the sales, calling in the decision to a meeting of the council's overview and scrutiny committee in March. The Tories questioned why the homes were not being refurbished or brought back into use for rental. Conservative leader Alessandro Giorgio claimed the council was selling off sites and opening them up to developers because it had run out of money. He added, The point is, they feel like they have to sell off sites to balance the books, when they should not be in that reality in the first place. Enfield Council has been approached for comment. Graduated driving licence scheme is not supported by most. New new legislation proposed by the government to prevent new drivers under 25 from carrying passengers will not be popular with the very drivers for whom it's planned. This is according to new data from choosemycar.com. Their study looked at the views of UK drivers and showed that 68% of UK drivers aged 18 to 34 do not support the new proposal. What is more surprising is that this rises slightly for the 35 to 54 age group, with 70% saying they would not support the move. The new rule would state that drivers under 25 cannot carry passengers under 25 for six months after passing their test. This is to reduce the risk of injury caused by new young drivers. However, the move is set to cause uproar, with very few people supporting the legislation as it stands. The only age group that did support it was the over 55s, with just over half, 54%, agreeing that this would be a rule they would support. This rose to a massive 79% in the over 65s. Interestingly, there was a real disparity in agreement between UK drivers who support different political parties. In fact, 70% of Conservative voters of all age groups supported the proposal. 
just 39% of Labour voters agreed to support it. There was also a degree of disparity in geographical areas, with Northern Ireland being most against the proposal, with 72% disagreeing. Most in support was Wales, with 54%. The study also asked UK drivers if they would be more willing to agree with the legislation if changes or exceptions were made, for example for young parents. The statistics found that 27% feel there should be an exemption for parents with young children, 14% feel the scheme could have a limit of one passenger for a new under-25 driver, 19% feel the scheme should focus on the very young drivers, so the scheme should only be for those aged 20 and under, 54% don't support the ban, even with any changes or exemptions. Councillors vote for pay increase. First increase in allowances since 2009 by Simon Allen. Members of Enfield's Labour administration have voted to give all councillors a pay rise for the first time since 2009. The 4.04% hike, set to cost the taxpayers £40,827, will add £427 to the annual allowance paid to all councillors for their basic duties bringing their new pay packet to £10,997. The same percentage rise will also be applied to special responsibility allowances, which are awarded to those in senior positions such as committee chairs and cabinet members. Despite the hike, basic allowances for Enfield councillors will remain below the level recommended by an independent review panel, IRP, set up to advise on councillor pay in London, which proposed setting an annual rate of £12,014. Labour members approved the 4% increase during the Council's annual general meeting last week, despite opposition from the Conservatives. Tory leader Alessandro Giorgio said he was not unsympathetic to a review of allowances, but added that now is simply not the right time, pointing out that pay increases had been voted down every year since 2009 meaning the basic allowance was frozen at £10,570. He said times were currently difficult for residents. Whichever way you vote, wherever you live, whether you're in Enfield, in London or the rest of the country. Council leader Nessel Kaliskan said she had already gone on the record that she would welcome the government taking steps to ensure allowances are set by an independent body. Pointing out that the current system means councillors have to decide their own pay, she added... I think a 4.04% increase, which is well below inflation, is appropriate. As I have said, I think councillor remuneration needs to not be an incentive or a disincentive. But I would also say that councillors are residents of this borough and it is right and appropriate. So, in the spirit of recognising the work that councillors do and the necessary representation that democracy requires, I'm comfortable with making this proposal. Labour members voted in favour of the pay rise, with Conservatives voting against. And from The Independent, the headline, I never thought I'd see coronation. Stan lives to see his fifth monarch crowned. Retired theatre boss Stanley Fishman is one of a diminishing population living through two coronations 70 years apart. The 93-year-old had not long finished his national service when Queen Elizabeth II was crowned in 1953 and he met her 45 years later when he received his CBE. Stanley, now living in Enfield's Essinge House care home in Forty Hill, has actually seen five monarchs and three coronations in his lifetime. I never thought I'd get to see another monarch take the throne, the nonagerian tells you seeing charles made king is a privilege to witness a new reign stan mingled with the stars in the world of entertainment during his career in theatres and cinemas across london but none he says compare with meeting queen elizabeth at buckingham palace for his cbe in 1997 for 50 years service to the film industry I had butterflies in the days before, Stan recalls. It wasn't until I actually met the Queen in person that I felt normal again. 
only at ease once she started speaking, like talking to a friend. I just remember saying, yes, ma'am, to everything and laughing nervously, making sure not to offend. Stanley's working life began in 1950, after two years of national service. He was stage manager at the Astoria Brixton and later toured Britain, working with icons like Bill Haley and the Comets, the Beatles, Judy Garland, Cliff Richard, Frank Sinatra and the Royal Festival Ballet. But this behind-the-scenes legend, who counted among his friends a young Richard Attenborough, started his career as a lamp boy at the Astoria in Finsbury Park in 1947. He worked his way up through the Odeon chain, ending up as the company's marketing director. Chances are, if you saw a film at an Odeon picture house in the 1960s, it's probably because Stanley had given it the go-ahead for the big screen. Now he's grateful watching the coronation on a somewhat smaller TV screen at the care home. For Stanley, born in 1930, Charles III is actually the fifth monarch in his lifetime, after George V, Edward VIII, George VI and Elizabeth II. He's seen them crowned in 1936, 1953 and now 2023, but he isn't counting. And accompanying the article is a lovely picture of a smiling Stan wearing his CBE and showing us some photographs of him with the late Queen. May our master you turn on you, Les. Dear Enfield Dispatch, from August this year, Londoners will experience the start of the harshest anti-private vehicle campaign ever seen in the capital. Under the Mayor's extended ultra-low emission zone, ULES scheme, new restrictions on older private vehicles come into force across London, including Enfield. Everyone will be affected, directly or indirectly. Several hundred thousand owners of perfectly sound older vehicles that pass their MOT will have to sell or pay £12.50 per day to use the roads they already paid a licence to use. Disruption will extend widely to all sectors, especially frontline services, social and health workers, many dependent on their cars to fulfil shift work. The mayor tells us to use public transport, walk, cycle or find the money to buy a newer model. The impact on lower income families and all businesses will be heavy. Being forced to trade vehicles costs many thousands of pounds, money most do not have, so most incur debt. The mayor's so-called scrappage scheme is so poorly funded, nobody will be fully compensated for their losses on disposal of older cars. The majority of his revenue gains, hundreds of millions of pounds, are for his coffers, not to help those most disadvantaged by his policies. Additional costs for the family budget at this time are the last straw for all. Putting food on the table and keeping mobile at low cost is far more important than pursuing an ethereal pollution target. This is not the end of the story. The mayor is planning soon to use number plate cameras to charge all road users per mile to use London's roads from wherever they originate. The impact will be severe and damaging to livelihoods, family finances, service provision and many aspects of life. For many, it will be a tax on personal freedom of movement. None of it is mandated by popular vote, of course. The mayor did hold a consultation on ULA's expansion, but decided to proceed even before the votes were in, and the vote itself was negative. But what the heck? Peter Gibbs, Vice President, Federation of Enfield Residents and Allied Associations. Get Walking. This is a letter from Paris Shah of Enfield Lock to Enfield Dispatch. Our councillors need to prioritise improving our streets in the upcoming years to help people choose cleaner and healthier ways to travel. The benefits of people walking more are plentiful, from increased physical activity and better health to reduced congestion and cleaner air. 
Ahead of National Walking Month this May, walking charity Living Streets has set out seven steps to create better places for walking in their blueprint for change. Steps include maintaining pavements, improving pedestrian crossings and investing in public transport. You can read more about this at livingstreets.org.uk forward slash blueprint. That's livingstreets.org.uk forward slash blueprint. All these measures can make walking a safer and more attractive option and help to bring our communities and streets to life. It's time to give walking the priority it deserves. Leisure Provision Review Sports and fitness facilities in Enfield are facing ongoing challenges from the COVID-19 pandemic and the cost of living crisis. Enfield Council has pledged to improve leisure and sports opportunities in the borough and is carrying out a review designed to inform investment plans for its facilities and services. A report presented to the Council's Overview and Scrutiny Committee reveals leisure charity Fusion, which manages Arnus Pool, Bramley Bowl Centre and the Council's four leisure centres in Edmonton Green, Southbury, Enfield Wash and Southgate, has been severely affected by the pandemic. It adds that while there are some signs of recovery, Fusion's revenues are projected to be only 65% of their pre-pandemic level, largely because those in the over-50 age group had failed to return to the centres in their previous numbers. The report states that since mid-December, Albany, Edmonton and Southbury Leisure Centres have been experiencing a significant number of maintenance faults that have impacted on the availability of the swimming pools, while air temperatures have been below acceptable levels. Council chiefs have agreed an improvement plan with Fusion senior managers with the aim of bringing stability back to the service. Active Enfield, a council-run programme of physical activities, aimed particularly at older people, has also seen a reduction in the number of people attending since the pandemic. In 2019-20, there were around 18,000 attendances, but this figure dropped to 12,000 in 2021-22. The council expects attendances to recover to 15,000 in 2022-23 and hopes they will return to pre-pandemic levels by 2025. But the report notes that the cost of living crisis is a key challenge for the service, with some residents unable to prioritise physical activity and leisure. The council aims to tackle this by keeping the cost of sessions as low as possible. Funded projects have also been set up to boost sports and leisure provision. The council secured a £10,000 grant to provide swimming lessons for people with disabilities and has received 100 applications for the programme since it launched in January. The government has awarded the council £440,000 to deliver a five-year active through football programme which will work with people from Edmonton and the south-east of the borough. The scheme aims to target people with mental health difficulties and women aged over 16 who are the most interested in getting involved. The Council's strategic review of sports and physical activity is expected to be completed in the summer. Blue plaque for Windrush artist Anthea McNeish at Tottenham. World-renowned textile artist and Windrush elder Anthea McNeish has been commemorated with a blue plaque on the building where she lived and worked for 60 years. The plaque was unveiled on May 15th, which would have been her 99th birthday, at the house in West Green Road, Tottenham. Anthea died in 2020 at the age of 95, born in Trinidad and emigrating to Britain in 1951. She settled in Tottenham in 1957, got a degree in textile design at the Royal College of Art and went on to become an internationally acclaimed textile artist who designed for companies like Liberties. Her work was also included in V&A collections. Anthea called West Green Road home for so many years, Haringey Council Leader, Councillor Pere Ahmed said... We have this opportunity to reflect on the contribution that she and the Windrush generation have made. The Windrush 75th anniversary is in June, marking the arrival of the Empire Windrush ship 
at Tilbury Docks, which brought the first immigrants from the West Indies. The plaque, paid for by the Mayor of London's office, results from a campaign by teachers and pupils at Tottenham's Earlsmead Primary School, who are planning Magnesia's centenary celebration next year. Towners miss out on playoffs after disappointing end to season by Andrew Warshaw. For so long it promised so much, only to end in abject disappointment. Enfield Town's season came to a hugely disheartening end last month as they failed to reach the Premier League playoffs after being in pole position for all but a few weeks of the campaign. A year after the anguish of being beaten in the playoff semi-finals, Town's goal of at least getting that far again was blown away in the final stages of the season when they took only three points from a possible 18 to end up in ninth position. An understandably downcast Andy Lease, who has managed Town for six years, said, You can't sugarcoat it. We haven't been good enough from perhaps the early part of February. It's sad, because in the end it's a difference of a few points. There's a whole myriad of reasons why we've messed it up and it's tough to take. As a supporter-owned club, Enfield don't have the resources of some of the other clubs in the division, many of whom didn't make the playoffs either. But apart from a few days in December, Town had been in the top five since the end of September, only to be pushed out of the playoff positions in early April. It's a collective thing, and I'm not just looking at the players, Lee said of the sudden capitulation. (laughs) Sorry. It has to start with me and the management team. I still maintain we have a squad that should be in the top five. I can only apologise to the supporters because we put ourselves in a great position. Maybe last season we overachieved a bit, I'm not sure, but we came off the standards that I set and it's bitterly disappointing. No one can fault the management and players for their commitment and enthusiasm, but how many of the current squads will be around next season remains to be seen. Every summer sees a turnover of players at most clubs, whatever their status and there will be a considerable amount of stock-taking and planning in the weeks ahead. Chairman Paul Reid said, We have a lot to be proud of as a football club. We will do all we can this summer to make sure that we are well-placed to have the best possible campaign this season. On a positive note, the final game of the season was followed by the club's annual awards ceremony. Goalkeeper Nathan McDonald picked up two prizes, Supporters Player of the Year and players player for a series of outstanding saves. Adam Cunnington won the management's player of the season, while Marcus Willey took the young player award. Striker Jake Cass took the Golden Boots award for his 18 league goals, while Ian Hamilton won the club person of the year award, having been an invaluable volunteer in a variety of different roles. Shortly before going to press, Enfield Town FC announced they and manager Andy Lease had agreed to part company with immediate effect. Paul Reed said, I would like to thank Andy and his staff for all of their efforts during his time at the club. He's given us many highs and fantastic performances, putting together a team that our supporters could be proud of. Andy has always proven himself to be an honourable, hard-working and talented manager who has constantly had the best interests of the club at heart. On a personal level, we have enjoyed an excellent working relationship and I truly appreciate his enormous contribution to our club over the past six seasons. Over three quarters of Brits admit to singing in the car. Britain's favourite car sing-along songs are Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, Dancing Queen by Abba and Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. A recent Fiat poll of 2,000 motorists found that 78% sing in the car, although only 21% of those who enjoy belting out a few numbers think they're any good. Other four-wheel-friendly anthems include Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond, Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf and Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Fittingly, the tune synonymous with Formula One, The Chain by Fleetwood Mac, also made the top 40 although Gary Newman's cars narrowly missed out. More than 4 in 10, 42%, who enjoy a croon in the car, 
claim that singing is essential to their driving experience, while 51% revealed it makes them happy. However, 37% have been forced to listen to tone-deaf passengers or drivers while on the road, likely making their journeys slightly less mood-boosting. Following the findings, the Italian car brand has partnered with with the X Factor and Britain's Got Talent vocal coach, Annabelle Williams, to give away free singing lessons to off-key car singing enthusiasts and to provide top tips to become pitch perfect behind the wheel. The study also found that 16% of motorists have been asked to stop singing in the car, while 11% have been left embarrassed after being caught crooning. As a result, 18% have considered having singing lessons. Nearly two-thirds, 64%, believe music is essential for the optimum driving experience, with 62% claiming singing along makes long journeys go quicker. But 54% find driving less enjoyable if they're forced to listen to music they don't like, while 65% have had arguments over the choice of tunes during a car journey. Carried out through one poll, the study found motorists' favourite genre of music to sing along to in the car is pop, 34%, followed by rock, 20%, and R&B, 4%. Now an advert from Age UK, Social Singing. If you love to sing, you'll love this session as we come together in song with a bit of dancing and plenty of laughter. A monthly singing session led by vocal coach and choir lead and supported by the friendly volunteers from St Stephen's Church and Age UK Enfield staff. We sing popular music through the decades. It's a great chance to meet new friends. Suitable for all and all welcome. Dementia friendly, disabled accessible premises. Tea and coffee and other refreshment available. Donations welcome. This takes place every second Wednesday of every month at 10.30 to 11.30am at St Stephen's Church Hall, Village Road, Bush Hill Park, EN1 2EY. No need to book, just come along. The next dates are Wednesday the 14th of June and Wednesday the 12th of July. Botany Bay Cricket Club legend Jarvis gets special invitation to Lord's Test. A Botany Bay Cricket Club legend will be heading to Lords next month to watch the England versus Ireland Test match as the special guest of MCC President Stephen Fry as part of a campaign to celebrate grassroots cricket and the country's unsung heroes. John Jarvis, who has been coaching youth and adult cricket in Enfield for over 50 years, was chosen from hundreds of nominations across the country to be one of 11 MCC community cricket heroes for his outstanding contribution to grassroots cricket and his community. Now aged 76, he still coaches the club's Colts every week during the season and his enthusiasm and coaching talents have inspired many generations of Botany Bay cricketers. The MCC Community Cricket Heroes were chosen by a special panel which included Fry and former England internationals Mike Gatting and Claire Taylor, and will join the MCC president to watch the Test Match, which starts on June the 1st from the prestigious President Suite at the Home of Cricket. The campaign, launched in March by MCC alongside the Cricketer magazine, encouraged the cricket community and public to submit nominations for their community cricket hero from volunteers who go above and beyond for their cricket club and community to coaches who are inspiring people on and off the pitch or players who have overcome adversity to play or help the game. We had an incredible response to the campaign and I want to thank everyone who sent in nominations and took part, said Fry. It really brought home the amazing work that is done by countless individuals, many of them volunteers, to support our wonderful grassroots game. It was a hugely difficult task for the panel to narrow the nominations down and choose our final MCC Community Cricket Heroes, but John was a worthy winner for the incredible contribution he has made to youth coaching over the past 50 years. I'm looking forward to meeting and welcoming John to Lords next month. Jarvis added, 
I feel honoured, delighted and somewhat overwhelmed to have been chosen as an MCC community cricket hero and will use it to encourage my colleagues at Botany Bay Cricket Club and beyond to get involved in coaching. The campaign is real recognition for many people who support cricket at this level and underlines the commitment that MCC has to grassroots, sorry, grassroots cricket. Charity in 2000 call-outs. Data reveals a number of air ambulance call-outs to each borough in the last year by Emily Davison. New data from London's air ambulance charity has revealed the busiest parts of London and the most common reasons for emergency call-outs. The charity was called out to 1,977 patients last year, with Westminster as the busiest London borough with 113 call-outs. Lambeth had 111 call-outs and Tower Hamlets had the third highest number with 103 in 2022. Further data revealed that of those patients, 34% needed pre-hospital care at the scene due to penetrating trauma, 25% due to road traffic collisions, and 22% had suffered a fall from height. The data was released as part of London's Air Ambulance Charity's Up Against Time fundraising appeal. The charity is working to raise £15 million by 2024 to replace its helicopter fleet, as its current helicopters have become increasingly difficult to maintain. The information has been released as part of London's Air Ambulance Charity's fundraising appeal, Up Against Time, for which NewsQuest London was announced last week as the media partner. London's Air Ambulance is London's only helicopter emergency service and provides critical treatment at the scene for patients with life-threatening or life-changing injuries. The charity's paramedics provide complex care to patients at the scene for those who would not have time to arrive at an A&E to receive the same level of care. They carry out life-saving procedures such as open chest surgery, blood transfusions, putting patients into an induced coma and reinflating collapsed lungs anywhere in London 24 hours a day. Captain Neil Jeffers, Chief Pilot for London's Air Ambulance Charity, said, Last year, we participated in more missions than ever before, attending to patients in every single part of London and confronting nearly every manner of traumatic injury. When we're up against time, Our helicopter fleet is the single most vital tool we have for getting to our patients when they need us most, wherever they are in London. Now, we're up against time in a new way, as we look to replace our helicopter fleet by autumn 2024. A recent poll revealed that only 38% of Londoners are aware that London's air ambulance is mainly funded through public donations. The reality is that as a charity... London's Air Ambulance relies on 89% of its funding from public donations to be able to save London's most critically injured. To donate to the appeal, go to londonsairambulance.org.uk forward slash up hyphen against hyphen time hyphen appeal. Scary Story wins Winchmore Hill student a big prize. Saffron Pennycook has been named the winner of the big writing challenge for her short story, Red Room. A Winchmore Winchmore School student has won a creative writing competition after penning a scary, emotion-laced story. The big writing challenge, organised by London Metropolitan University and Orion Publishing, has named this year's winner as Winchmore's Saffron Pennycook for her short story, Red Room. The competition introduces students aged 16 to 18 to professionals from the publishing industry, including writers, agents and publishers. The challenge aims to equip students with a good knowledge and understanding of how the publishing industry works. Using this heightened awareness, students can actively seek out opportunities to get involved in the aspects of publishing that most interest them. Judge Sarita Domingo said... 
Saffron's story was steeped in dark, gorgeous descriptions and a really assured tone that was perfect for this scary, emotion-laced story. Saffron herself reacted, The big writing competition is an opportunity geared to any fellow lover of creative writing, or just anyone who wants to let their creative juices flow. I never would have thought so much would come from my hobby of writing stories. As this year's winner, Saffron will see her work published in full on the Orion website and also receive a moleskin notebook, a gift box with a £25 book voucher courtesy of the London Review Bookshop, a creative writing course courtesy of the Arvon Foundation, a book of her choice from Orion Editor's Recommendations and a copy of the White Review. The big writing challenge consisted of initial schools workshops developed and run by members of London Met's creative writing lecturers and outreach team. Richard Fisher, Liz Routhorn, Fonmi Ajibodan and Trevor Norris helped students produce a short piece of creative prose. This was then followed by a boot camp at London Met where student groups honed their writing with more editing and technical discussion under the guidance and mentorship of a group leader. Saffron's teacher at Winchmore School, Talia Charalambus, added, It is a fantastic programme that provides all students an opportunity to engage in creative writing, no matter their subjects of study and ability. The combination of London Met and Orion Publishing is one of greatness, communicating every step of the way and giving our students the chance to develop their knowledge alongside their cultural capital through a diverse range of experiences. You can read Saffron's short story, Red Room, on orionbooks.co.uk forward slash big hyphen writing hyphen challenge. That's orionbooks.co.uk forward slash big hyphen writing hyphen challenge. Puppy smuggling. For more than a decade, Dogs Trust has been campaigning to end the cruel puppy smuggling trade to protect countless dogs from the horrific mistreatment of being illegally transported into the UK. The Animal Welfare Kept Animals Bill is essential to tackling puppy smuggling and future legislation under it would close legal loopholes that allow unscrupulous traders to import puppies and dogs with mutilations. However, despite pledging to tackle puppy smuggling, the government is dragging its heels and has not progressed this crucial legislation since November 2021. I'm incredibly disappointed that the government continues to sideline these critical improvements to dog welfare which could help to stop the needless suffering of animals. We are calling for the bill to return to Parliament as a matter of urgency. This is a view shared by the 40,000 plus people around the UK. I recently chaired a parliamentary roundtable on the issue of puppy smuggling. We were joined by 17 organisations who are on the front line of the problem, including major transport carriers, trading standards and veterinary professionals, as well as members of parliament. We all have a shared goal to tackle the abhorrent illegal trade and do all we can to bring this bill back to parliament. The meeting allowed us to discuss how we can work together to tackle the cruel trade and it was encouraging to see that other organisations are also committed to this crucial cause. While I am pleased that we have such a weight of backing on this issue, it's frustrating that the government will not recognise the urgent need to progress the Kept Animals Bill. Dogs Trust remains committed to working with other organisations and will continue to rally the public for support until the government makes good on its election promise to crack down on the illegal smuggling of dogs and puppies. We will not give up. To show your support for our campaign, visit action.dogstrust.org.uk forward slash page forward slash 120892 forward slash action forward slash one by Owen Sharp, CEO Dogs Trust. Enfield Borough Boys Lift Cup in Fairy Tale Finish for Jacob. Enfield Borough Under 18s beat Harrow Stars 3 2 to win the Middlesex FA EPL Greek Cup at North Greenford United. And it proved a fairy tale ending for central defender Jacob Mazionis who leaves this summer to sign a professional contract with championship club Ipswich Town. Mazionis will sign in June when he reaches 17, having played seven times for Borough's first team this season, after his impressive displays attracted the attention of talent scouts.
Borough took the lead on 13 minutes when Aaron Asimeng's cross shot deceived Harrow keeper Sam Buckland and sneaked inside his near post. But the lead lasted just a minute as ever-dangerous Mackell Scott nipped in behind the Borough defence to steer a header beyond Harry Cook. Borough, whilst playing the better football, were never allowed to settle by their opponents, and Scott in particular was tenacious in his attempts to regain possession. But Enfield regained the lead on 31 minutes, thanks to excellent work by Jordan Ockwar, who showed great determination and skill to hold off an opponent while working his way infield along the byline before cutting the ball back to Rory Connolly-Harding to clip it confidently past Buckland. Santino Poledri was on the end of a neat passing move two minutes after the restart and having switched the ball onto his left foot, planted a low shot to Buckland's right to make it 3-1. Borough, with Mazionis and Harry Fantis forming a strong barrier to Harrow's attackers, appeared to be in control. But just before the hour, Hayden Barnes' long-range shot bounced awkwardly in front of Cook and Cade Smith was first to react to bundle the ball into the net. Anish Sharma wasted a chance to seal victory when his shot went narrowly wide, but Cook produced an excellent save late on, diving low to his right to palm away a shot to spare his teammates a penalty shootout. I'm so proud of the boys. They've played great football throughout the season, says boss Pan Simiu. I told them to play the match, not the occasion, and that is what they did against a very good Harrow Stars team. Our players were on average a year younger than Harrow's and we've had a couple sidelined through long-term injury and we overcame all the obstacles in our path. And a, a lovely picture of the boys celebrating holding up the cup. We, ha- <clears throat> we have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Sarah A, Sarah M, Joel, Mary and Hass on the controls, it's goodbye. (laughs) Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet. Put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying play podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 078-99-854-582 the Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time 